0: You're listening to the Saturday Morning RPG Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined this week by our good friend Alex over at Dink Dungeons, wearing the most 90s shirt you can possibly find on the internet. Um, Lex, uh, there's a couple things I want to talk to you about. Um, I think I'm going to start with... Uh, the Dungeon Call Classics Dying Earth set. Um, I was a big fan. I've been doing a lot of videos on it because I think it's really, really cool. Have you been able to read those, and what are your thoughts on it?
1: I have read through... I mean, it's a lot. I've, it is I've a lot. I've read through yeah. all of it. It's a lot of good, grade-A stuff. So I back to the Kickstarter, like you did. Uh, audio issues. Uh Thanks, thanks, Chat, for letting us know. Yeah. Um, the uh, but yeah, I backed the Kickstarter up. as you did, and um, I didn't back it at the physical level because I am too poor to do that. Uh, but I, well, I also wanted all the things, right? Like I wanted the 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 si- the system uh, setting books. I mm. wanted uh, all the adventures and all that stuff. But I was like, eh, if I want to get all that stuff, I should probably go all digital because that's more cost efficient for me. Um, and as a result, you get, like, a lot of, um, I can also increase my volume on my end a little bit. That would be I don't know awesome because I'm help. not
0: sure what else to do.
1: <laughs> Here, how about this? Hey, there Is... you go. Okay. A little better. <laughs> the, uh, I can pump it up a little bit more than that. That's. Okay. Starting to get pretty high. Cause
0: I have uh been pumping up your volume as yeah. well. But apparently I'm two times louder than you, and so that's not good.
1: Mm, okay, so oh chat seems to like that. Okay. Okay. Um so cool. Uh yeah, so I just was getting the PDFs, and the good thing about the PDF option is you get uh everything you get like the drafts. So yeah. I think Gosh, when did those first come out? A while ago, like last summer? <laughs> or something? I think so. that and I didn't though. read them
0: back then either for some reason. I didn't read it until the actual... Well, I read a couple of it because they do the... Uh, when those drafts come out, they have their Stomp the Typo. And I always thought that was really cool. The first Goodman Games thing I backed, they were like, okay, here's the PDF, Like, read it, let us know if you find any issues. And I didn't find a typo in uh the first one i think that was for the dcc annual but i did um find a mechanic that was not was broken like they they referenced something i forget exactly what it was but it was like you referenced a d4 here but it says a d6 over here like i think that's wrong and then it was fixed like i i submitted it and stuff and i i don't know that with all of the the uh, nerds that like to crunch down on rules and stuff, it seems so smart to send it out early and be like, here, fix it. But then you're also sending out a PDF that can get copied, I guess, and that's the
1: the fear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Uh, th- <laughs> especially, yeah, nerds and uh, Kickstarter backers, right? They will yeah. find any errors that you make. So, in the, yeah, in that sense, it is pretty smart. The So I ended up reading most of that stuff back then, And then because I didn't back the physical level, I'm not currently getting the physical books in so that I'm not I haven't like reread them. So everyone's like now they're fresh in everyone's mind. But I was like, oh, these were fresh in my mind like a long time ago. And now I've kind of forgotten a bunch of it. Uh, But I like a lot of the adventures. That's what I paid the most attention to. Because there's so many, and you they basically like run the gamut of all the kind of dying earth scenarios that you might want to play. Yeah, really cool, and they have great covers. Oh my god, the covers for the scenarios are so good. So I (sighs) was talking to um,
0: uh, Judge James from I Live for Crits. He does a lot Mm -hmm. of dungeon crawl classic stuff. He's actually shifted and been doing a lot of Shadow Dark. That's his new like system of choice apparently, (laughs) Um, which is cool. But uh, he. He loves DCC, but he said that when Lankmar came out, it, like, super clicked. Like, the setting, all of that stuff, and he just really, really loved it. And the more I'm reading this Dying Earth stuff, I'm like, I think this is the setting for me. Like this is clicking and I have been reading the adventures and all of the, the mechanics and stuff. And I'm like, I want to play this so bad, like a long form kind of mm. uh, dying earth setting. And maybe that's because I read the books and I haven't read the Lankmar books and things like that. But this is the first time that I feel, uh, cause I've never wanted to play in like Lord of the Rings. And I guess I've read forgotten realms books and I've wanted to play in the forgotten realms, you know, but like, uh, the Dying Earth feels like a good campaign setting, um, as opposed to other fantasy genres that have been turned into uh, games, you know? And I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. really want to play Dresden Files, but I want to play Dying Earth. I think that looks oh. really cool. And there was an old Dying Earth from the 80s or 90s, I think. They made a Dying Earth RPG standalone, but...
1: Yeah, I feel like I've heard of that, but I definitely haven't read it. Uh yeah. quick joke from something you were saying earlier. You're familiar with the Forgotten Realms? I didn't know that. That's interesting. A little bit. A yeah. uh, <laughs> little bit. Uh the um So So yeah, no, I think um for 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 one thing, you should read uh Fafford and the Grey Mouser. Like I the, should, the yeah. Lankmar stuff. You definitely should read those because they are really, really fun. And I do think that Lankmar captures the vibe of them pretty well. Um I think Yeah, like Dying Earth as stories are really cool. I really, really love the first book because, like, one of the things about Dying Earth, the the books Dying Earth, uh, that's a little weird is that they're written very far apart, like uh, in the life of the author, right? So they all kind of have a different vibe to them. Like, the first set of short stories has a very specific vibe, and then, like, Rialto has another very specific vibe and like the kugel stuff is somewhere in between. It's strange. Yeah. And Uh, it's
0: like a huge emphasis on magic and demons and things in some stories. And then other stories, it's like a post-apocalyptic city where mm -hmm. technology runs rampant and, uh, I don't know you but you're right, like like uh the Rialto mage and the I'm trying to think of the mages in the the first stories they're like put together those mages, and Rialto is like very different and competing on a level of ego with other people and stuff, you know, so
1: yeah it's that it's that weird thing of like uh Turjan of Mir and yeah. uh Miserian are I guess actually like lower level uh wizards but there aren't really other wizards around so it doesn't matter that they're lower level wizards and then they're all competing with each other and it's very much like life or death whereas yeah when you get to the rialto stuff they're all like super high level and they're kind of already like in a frat together Mm -hmm. so they're everything is just kind of unserious because they're like i mean if stuff goes really wrong i'll just time travel back to before it went really wrong (laughs) 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 And we'll just fix it that way. (laughs) So, like, uh, what is it the the way they solve the freaking um, the one with the IOUN stones, um, Morion, Mm -hmm. which is I think one of my favorite. It's like the that's one where they go to the end
0: of the universe, right?
1: Yes, they go to the end of the universe, and there's like planets being cut in half, and you find out how um, IOUN stones are made, which is like really cool. And Morion is there and he has all these Ion stones and you've, uh, spoilers for a book that was written in like 1978, <laughs> um, but the, uh, uh, Morian like was an archmage and then he got all these iron stones. And what the iron stones do is they like leech your memories in exchange for the powers that they give you. Yeah. We should say so... they, they
0: grant like insane magical powers. So all of these wizards are coveting them like yeah. highly. And he yeah, has the um, most, but it's yeah, super he has, detrimental he so because many. of that. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, yeah, so he has so many that he is is basically like um, completely uh, personalityless, mm-hmm. right? So he's not threatening at all, even though he's extremely powerful. Uh, but the whole thing is they're trying to get them away from him, and they sort of succeed in doing that, like, stone by stone throughout the story, and then at the end, they take all the stones away from him, and he regains all his memories and realizes the reason why he was out there in the first place is because they abandoned him, (laughs) and he's like, I'm going to teach you guys a lesson, and then, so that's, like, the climax of the stories. He's like, I'm going to teach you guys a lesson, and he's going to, like, mage duel them, and then Rialto's like, I just cast time stop, and I, like, knock him out. <laughs> the you don't have any over. of your iron stones anymore goodbye good yeah. you, sir. Um, so it is funny that that's like how conflicts get resolved in those stories whereas in the dying earth stories it's like very serious mm-hmm. uh the way things uh get resolved so i don't know i think for my money the dying earth stories the original ones have are the best um mostly because the stakes are a little higher and many more of the characters are like not terrible people or if they are terrible people they get their comeuppance yeah like rialto like rialto sucks he's like a huge jerk <laughs> yes. and all of the wizards in that book are super sexist yep. there's like a whole story about how they're sexist <laughs> uh and the but in the dying earth stories you do have some characters that are really bad like liane the Wayfarer. Um, and wayfarers there you go now (laughs) Uh, but but and the wayfarer is objectively a terrible person but the story is about him getting his comeuppance and being punished basically so it feels good at the end and then like turjan of mir is like a pretty good guy and it's about him struggling to like succeed and i'm like oh good for him Mm. i'm glad that he he did it
0: Yeah, and I think another good thing about it is, like, you don't have to read every novel, too. Like, you could read, because there are a yeah. lot of them are short stories. And you could read, mm-hmm. like, three or four short stories, kind of get an idea for this, and then dive into playing um, a Dying Earth campaign.
1: For uh, sure.
0: And uh, the first, I think the first seven uh, adventures, six adventures or something, are, like, level zero, level one, two, three, four, five, six. Um and they have another one coming out. They're like, hey, I just got an email. And it was like, do you want to pre-order this next one? And I was like, I, I need to read the first 10 that I came with right? my, my Kickstarter. But um, but I know, so nice. like, you introduced me to Dungeon Crawl Classics. And I know that you're a fan of it as well. And so it's kind of fun to talk about it with somebody who knows the system a little bit more. But <laughs> um, I definitely want to. Uh, my my home game that is currently paused, uh, we're playing Peril of the Purple Planet. Um, And that's been a lot of fun. And I'm trying to see if we want to switch over to Dying Earth when we kind of finish that sandboxy world. Um, Or uh, there's been talk of playing like Star Trek adventures because apparently they're all Trekkie nerds too. And I was like, that would be fun. I think so. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know that system like at all because I've just never looked into it, but definitely playing a Star Trek campaign would be a lot of fun, especially yeah. actually, it'd be fun. You could go original series where it's just like, oh, I got to wrestle with the rock monster or right. a fight with Q-tips above the lava pit. That would be fun. <laughs> or you could go the next gen route where it's like, ah, oh, we need to think our way out of everything. Mm-hmm. That would also be fun, although maybe a little more work for the Game Master. But uh, yeah,
0: I like the idea of that game because you do have a hierarchy like there is the the captain Mm. and there is this. And so uh, just through um, role play, like, you know, mutinies can happen, coups. Like imagine if you just have that terrible (laughs) captain and it's like we got to do something about the captain. And then I don't know. And I I see that happening. And I just think that's kind of fun because another game that I played back in the day we had like a hierarchy structure and I, I want to say like pretty much the worst person to be in charge, got put in charge kind of accidentally. Cause we all took our roles and we're like, Oh, okay. Oh, what does that leave? Like, Oh, the captain. Oh man. And, and so we'd always be like, what do you want us to do captain? And he's like, well, I think we should go over here because it'll help my character. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're not doing this right. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: That's really not funny. what leadership is about.
0: It's not what go. Uh, no. Need you to take a leadership course in your company and come back to it, yeah. be great
1: get some, get some HR training. Yeah. The uh uh two two um, dying earth mechanics, because I realized I haven't talked about that very much yeah. at all. But I, I will say uh the Wayfarer because I was wa- so I was watching some of your videos on it. Uh rather than going back and rereading stuff because of course. Psh, I that's, mean, more that's work. why I make videos. Rather yeah. just yeah. <laughs> I really, really like how the Wayfarer's luck mechanic works. Not only because it's fun, uh, or seems very fun. I haven't used it yet. But because it also feels very much like the books. So if you look at Kugel and the way he interacts with people, he's constantly just trying to hoodwink people. And he usually doesn't succeed, but he's always trying to. Uh, And just the idea of like, stealing other people's luck in DCC just fits that perfectly yeah so I was yeah I was very happy with how that came out Um, and and
0: like I I said in the video that you kind of need to have the right person or the right Mm -hmm. players because somebody could be like I don't want you to steal my luck like that's not fair I don't like that at all um, but I do like it's just like oh like no I, I need this plus two so I'm gonna burn two points of luck and you're like ah <laughs> and so it's a cool it's a cool idea and I think that fits the system really well. Um, I also like that the Wayfarers when they learn a spell. Um, so the Vancey Magic, you like roll ahead of time to see what the spell's power level will be, and then you store that in your head. But the Wayfarer, when they learn spells, which they don't get a lot, um, the DM rolls that in secret. And what's fun about that is the Wayfarer can't spend luck to make the roll better because he doesn't know what it is. Uh... And so it also has that uncertainty of like, I'm gonna cast this, and like whether it's a fumble, whether it's a four, or whether it's a thirty-two, like you'll never know. And it's kind of um, fun that they aren't able to change it uh, midway, and that feels like a very Dying Earth thing as well, too. Like I like that. So mm. it's been fun. I've been re-reading it and rereading it. Obviously, making those videos, uh, and it's got me all jazzed up to run Dying Earth at some point. Uh, mostly because I have like all of these adventures now sitting around, being like, "Play me, play me."
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, um, to, to the to the whole having the right players thing. That also is really in keeping with the books, because like I was saying earlier, so many of the characters in Dying Earth are like horrible people, yeah. and Kugel is definitely one of them. Yeah. He is not a good guy.
0: <laughs> and people will take advantage of him just as he'll take advantage of other people. Like, yeah, that's kind of so... like why the
1: Wayfair luck
0: mechanic works out, I feel. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm...
1: yeah, I guess that's the, what they're encouraging you to do, which on the one hand is just encouraging player animosity. But I guess if it's all in good fun and you like know that's what you're getting into, then it's fine. Like, like, like playing Paranoia is like that too, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it works in that game because the game is very explicitly like, oh, you want, you're trying to screw each other over. So just have a laugh with it. And I think, yeah, if you take that approach to the Wayfarer in DCC, it should work pretty well.
0: Now I'm thinking of other mechanics like it would be it'd be cool to have a pool of resources that um, kind of like the luck like I steal luck from other people like maybe somehow you could incorporate money into your. Uh, system in some way where you have like a pool of money that everybody can utilize but not just for buying stuff like i don't know i'm wondering if you're like i'm gonna spend oh. all the mana points and you're like no i need those mana points <laughs>
1: oh i was gonna say players uh taking money from other players there's nothing ever nothing bad, bad has, has happened. happened in yeah. D <laughs> with that approach the uh <laughs> um that's funny because one of the things we're going to talk about maybe in this episode is a game that has Pools of shared resources, yeah, but but it's explicitly not trying to get you to mess each other over yeah. with them. It's like it's to encourage like unity and teamwork, which I found <laughs> uh, interesting because I was like, yeah, you could go that way with <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh,
0: let's let's talk about uh, projects that you've been writing. Now I know about this, but uh, and you announced it on Twitter recently. But uh, what have you been working on that's coming out soon?
1: Oh, I'm making a game because why make adventures when you can make systems train? right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm making a game called 5B. Uh, 5B is a fifth edition basic expert hybrid. So the math and the um, like sort of the the number curve, so like hit points, damage output, all that stuff is completely compatible with fifth edition. But all of the play procedures and the way the game is written is all emulating Basic Expert. So you have rules like classes where characters have like a couple of abilities that are very flexible and that's it. And you have uh, simple monsters, simple magic items, uh, really flexible spell systems, and lots and lots of um, the kind of procedures that we see in Basic Expert like the dungeon turn is is in there and uh and XP for gold is also in there. Okay, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, and we were joking it's like instead of D and D five E, it's like D and D five B. But yep. when it comes out I was like, Oh, I bet you can't use D and D in front of it, so we'll just call it five B <laughs> but um, think, yeah,
1: that was definitely a conversation we had.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was uh now I've been playtesting with this this with you for like what, two or three months, maybe longer? I don't even oh, know. much longer than that,
1: because yeah. we play maybe twice a month. That's we right. We don't yeah. really play functionally that often. I was looking at it. I think we've been playing it for, like, ten months to a year, Yeah, I actually. was like,
0: maybe it's been a year.
1: Uh, there are... Oh, so in an emulation of Basic Expert, there are four classes in 5B, uh, which are, of course, <laughs> the Fighter, the Thief the cleric, and the magic user, because they're not <gasps> called wizards in BX. They're called magic users.
0: Oh, hurts.
1: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but because the classes are so simple, my plan for the future is to make more. Um, and I might even go dive into that whole um, like race as class thing. So I'll make like an elf and a dwarf and a halfling. Yeah.
0: So Sorry. I like the part of the basic expert that I enjoyed was when you got to a certain level as a cleric, you could then branch off and be a druid because it was essentially like the same class you just kind of uh start doing naturey things. Uh any plans for that? Like I don't know. <laughs> like I think that would be kind of cool. <laughs> like if you become uh, like like maybe the 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 ex well yeah, I guess like the expert classes or something like Final Fantasy oh, yeah. style, you get to level 10 and all of a sudden your your monk becomes a black belt and so <laughs>
1: Let's let's uh sprinkle some third edition in there and get prestige classes if it came. Uh no, well, I hadn't been thinking about that. I mean, the way uh clerics work is they can work as druids in 5B because when you make a cleric you get to choose what your deity is and what their like Okay domain is. So one of I made a bunch of pre-gens that actually they need to be cleaned up a little because I made them with like the original rule set before a lot of the playtesting. Uh, but they'll probably come out with the release of the game. And one of them is a druid who has like cleric as their class, but they ha- worship a nature deity, which means all their cleric powers or prayers are going to be nature themed. So it goes like, How-. yeah, you, yeah, you, and more the, theme um,
0: than actual, like, I don't know, cut and dry, specific th- abilities, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. which is Uh, fun. And there's also the whole thing of backgrounds in 5B, so, like, the the, because 5B is supposed to be compatible with 5th edition, the the characters have to be on a higher power level than um, BX characters, right? Because 5th edition characters are on a pretty high power level, and one of the ways that that's done is simply with things like damage output and hit points, right? But uh, the other way is I was like, oh, I really love the idea of background mechanics in 5th edition, but they're terribly implemented i mean in in sixth edition in the playtest they look a lot better but in like 2014 fifth edition they're terrible and i was like okay well i wanted to introduce a new thing for that that is again still flexible so it doesn't take up a lot of space on your character sheet stuff like that and i came up with something i pretty i liked quite a bit and it kind of wraps up the whole like the way racial abilities work in fifth edition and the way background abilities work into one kind of thing uh which you obviously have experience with because you you have your your thing but it's like yeah you choose your upbringing and that gives you your ability score modifiers and then you choose something that you did uh that you're tr that you like like an, uh, a, a time that you spent in your life doing a certain thing, and then that determines what kind of stuff that you're skilled in, and then you can also decide on, like, a power, uh, which is great because those things being that flexible means you can tailor those to make yourself represent as a different class or a very specific type of cleric or magic user or what have you. So, again, with that pre-made character, the druid-style one all of their background stuff is tailored, so it's like druidy, yeah, uh, and you know, living in nature and being attuned to nature and stuff, and that's what all that, it, you know, yeah. works with. Yeah, narratively.
0: having played it, uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. I'm playing a thief, and uh, we run around, and I'm kind of like a a charisma bard, talking like <laughs> thief, smarmy and stuff. Uh, but I think this system. I'm excited for it to actually come out because then we could just talk about it some more. But also, um, it'll it'll be good for 5e players because it's familiar. But also to be like, let's just have a little, um, uh, like, a side tangent with other characters. Like, I was thinking about this this morning of having, if I have my 5e game, maybe I want to play um, a side story with their characters. Uh, like grandfathers before they died in the war or something, and you're gonna take your four 5B classes and go run around and and just have like a simpler little tangent that I thought would be kind of cool. I don't know. I like that it it can work together with 5e. Like I think it's pretty fun. So
1: yeah, and it's it's also just like there's so much content for fifth edition that has come out, which is good. There's a lot of good content and i was like well um you why not be able to use all of that with right. this so so, so you're, like when... you're
0: saying like all of those adventures and stuff will be pretty compatible with yeah yeah that's cool
1: yes uh we i mean parts of like some encounters i don't think full adventures from our playtesting but definitely encounters that we did i did rip out of 5e books and the first like six months of our playtesting, because I hadn't gotten to the point of writing the monsters yet, I just used fifth edition monsters. Oh,
0: really? Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there was like, I like reskinned a bunch of them, but I just took the stat blocks and mm-hmm. called them a different thing and made them look different. Uh, so yeah, it's very compatible in that way. I did some playtesting not with you, but with <sighs> some of, with my home group, uh, where we even did a thing where some people like I was like, oh, we're playing a fifth edition one shot or I'm sorry, we're playing a uh, a fifth level one shot. And to half of the people I said we were playing fifth edition and to the other half of the people I said we were playing 5B and gave them the player creation packet. So half of the characters were fifth edition characters and mm-hmm. half of them were 5B characters and we just played them all in one game. <laughs> and it worked out? That's awesome. <laughs> it worked, yeah. Because yeah. their power levels are the same. So it's similar. like, like they didn't outshine each other at least in any way that like, Classes don't already outshine each other in 5th right, edition yeah. on, like, certain aspects. So it, uh, yeah, it was just the action economy's a little different. So that's the only thing you have to pay attention to if you're using, uh, like, 5th edition material wholesale. But the way I managed it was just, like... Like, if you're a fighter with second wind, right, which, as Mm -hmm. we know, is a bonus action that allows you to heal, uh, there are no bonus actions in 5B because it's um, uh, all of its, like, turn actions are, like, very simple. Mm -hmm. Like, you move and you do a thing, and that's it. So I would be like, oh, okay, well, then your character has that special ability that you can do on your turn once before you take a rest Mm -hmm. right so it's like instead of being an ability that bakes into the action economy it is a specific ability to that character that only that character can do which is kind of already how it works but now it's just like that player needs to understand an additional piece of action economy that no one else needs to think about yeah right and and that basically worked fine. I mean, it wasn't, again, it wasn't like more powerful than anything else.
0: And that's kind of, um, so for an example, the Thief that I was playing, I would have these reactions that I could take and, mm-hmm. and other classes didn't have those reactions. And that was like, the extra thing that I could do that I need to be cognizant of while we play so that I don't forget like, Oh yeah, I can do stuff here. Uh, I kick it. Yeah. You're like, okay, cool. Yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thieves can act out of turn basically the, um, an additional time as long as they're doing something simple, but that's like the only restriction. Yeah. So you, that could be an attack or a trip or, um, like a sleight of hand or whatever, uh, as long as you can justify it only taking a, uh, quick like a second to do yeah. it uh so so yeah again with the fifth edition classes when we were doing that uh other people would be like oh well i can use my reaction to do x because that's what my class ability says and i'm like okay then you can use your reaction to do that one specific thing or you can like make an attack of opportunity mm-hmm. right but the thief generally still balances to that stuff because the thief can do a wide array of things mm-hmm. with their reaction whenever uh so they're not restricted by that so yeah it's still uh it was good i was i was really happy with it it's it's funny to me uh because i've been developing it like as you know for like a year and seeing the <laughs> the the sixth edition playtest stuff come out yeah. and then being like this is backwards compatible and i'm like you know it's like just as backwards compatible as as my game S5 is B. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um
0: no and I I don't know it I that actually will be interesting not to just talk about um the future of D&D and I know Wizards of the Coast doesn't want us calling it 6e anymore but I keep calling it 6e just so I can differentiate it but mm-hmm. uh it will be weird like to have your level 5 2014 PHB ranger versus a <laughs> level 5 um, 2024 PHB Ranger, like they're going to be mm. vastly different.
1: Vastly different. So, the um, and yeah, one will be vastly underpowered.
0: Big... I think you know because yeah,
1: that yeah. that's the big detractor from it. And I think is it's like because you're remaking the classes, but you're making them either better or just like in, instead of just more powerful. Some of them are just more powerful in my opinion from what I've seen so far. But a lot of them are just better balanced and mm. and more workable. Yeah, why would someone take the old version as an option? And why would they bother?
0: Yeah, (laughs) who knows? Maybe when it comes out, you'll be like, wow, I really like this new Ranger, but I want to keep a lot of my older um, 2014 classes. I'll just take away the get a free feat at every level or something like that. And, you know, put 2014 restrictions on the 2024 class and just see how it plays. But who knows?
1: you could man that feels like a lot of work uh yeah but, <laughs> but
0: but that's what uh that's what wizards of the coast does they put out something and then we fix it for them Uh for free because we're idiots and then yeah. and then we uh we complain you know that's how it works, that's uh,
1: how when, it works. uh when oh, will 5b be so...
0: out like
1: 5b is gonna come out on the 22nd nice. of, of this month which is what is this month? May. May. Yeah. It's May, right? Yes. Yeah. May twenty twenty three. For those listening in the future, five uh, p. <laughs> yeah, probably the twenty second. It's just one of those things where like it's going to be on drive through, okay. and I am so used to publishing stuff on itch uh, that like you don't really have a waiting period when you publish things. You just like put them up and they're up. But oh, on drive through, you skilled? have to like.
0: Oh no, drive through
1: yeah but with drive- through you have to get it approved uh, which is totally fine because they just want to make sure there isn't like offensive content or whatever right. on their site but then you have to wait for the approval process so the if I time everything correctly the 20 second should be the day that it comes out nice. Uh, I guess I could get it pre-approved and then just make it invisible and not public. Maybe that's a thing you can do. I don't usually put stuff on drive-thru, so I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm doing. Um, for those curious as to why I'm doing it on drive-thru instead of itch, and it's not going to be on itch, which is like where all my other stuff is, uh, is because drive-thru just has great revenue splitting options and itch doesn't do that and 5B is based off of some very uh very good class rules that were in another document that another person published a european man named harold Mawson uh published it and i really liked it so and that was like the very basics of how all the classes work so i reached out to him and was like yo this rules can i develop this into a full game and he was like yeah i guess and i'm like okay you're gonna get a cut of the profit. Just oh, so you know. okay. So you, you—he's yeah.
0: on the royalty cut for mm-hmm. that. That's really cool.
1: He also—I did... I thought that
0: itch had better, um, like they take like five percent or something, whereas drive-through takes like thirty percent. So when you said that it was like, oh, it's way better on drive-through, I'm like, no, it isn't. I don't think so. But
1: <laughs> no, the 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 percentage take-home is worse on drive-through. Yes, but drive-through allows you to do a royalty split. The Which alternative is, really nice, is you. Yeah. Um, yeah, the alternative is like I could put it up on itch, and then I could like make a spreadsheet and be like, okay, how many copies of this have sold? What's and the mail net revenue? A check every month. Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, which is just like not something I'm here to do <laughs> because that's a lot more work than I want. One hundred percent. If the site will just do it automatically, I'll just be like, yeah, just just do it automatically. But yeah, uh, yeah. so he also did develop some stuff with me. Uh, For the game, like the treasure tables, he wrote those up. Nice. And as I altered some of the classes, he also helped with like the scaling because he's really the he's much better at math than I am. (laughs) So he's really the mind behind all of the number scaling because he paid when he originally made it. He paid a lot of attention to like fifth edition class power curves in terms of damage versus hit points and and like monster AC and all that stuff. So, he applied all that math into the classes initially. And then, as we developed the classes, I was like, okay, well, what if they have like this ability instead of this ability? How would the math change? And then he would be like, oh, let me crunch a bunch of numbers and then get back to you. <laughs> so, That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, it uh, is very good. I was really happy with the development process of those little That's books.
0: Cool. Well, we'll look out for it in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm excited. I think. I think you made a really cool product. This will be awesome to have it finally be released. Yeah. Um, have you heard of Nave? Is that something that sounds familiar to you?
1: No, what, not really. <laughs> no, um, it literally just jumped everyone. up like
0: another $70 while I was staring at the Kickstarter. So, uh, so I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just curious about the OSR and um, Kickstarters in general uh, because of... The Arcane Library's Million Dollar Shadow Dark that is just kind of like mm. blew me away. I was like, holy cow. And uh, she was getting a lot of flack for like, I don't know, like paying for reviews. But she didn't pay for uh, reviews except with Ben Milton, who is doing Nave 2nd Edition. Um, but Nave 2nd Edition is kickstarting right now. And the first one is Free Creative Commons, I believe. Like it's just out there. And you could because so many people have taken it and reworked it into various games. Like Cairn is based on it, I think, and um some other ones. I'm not entirely sure. But uh he Ben Milton's releasing second edition Nave, and it's four hundred and eighty-four thousand dollars as of today. It's probably gonna get to five hundred thousand. Um I don't know if it'll hit a million, but he still has nineteen days to go. So we'll see what his marketing push is like
1: uh yeah i mean we talked about shadow dark the last time i was here i believe we and i sort of yeah and i kind of laid out my argument for why it was doing so well i encourage listeners to go back and listen to that episode if they haven't because i think i did a good job like my (laughs) argument um i was talking to like one of my friends and he was asking me why do you think shadow dark did so well and i just sent him a link to that episode and i'm like here i already talked about this i won't go through it again Uh, but uh but then he watched he was like oh yeah no that's true i think i agree with that and i'm like cool We've saved each other so much time, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the um, I think you had asked me if I thought Nave was going to do as well as Shadow Dark did. I think on like Discord. Or yeah, something. we were just um, talking um, right before Nave was going to launch, and I was like, no. And part of the reason, not that it was, did, I didn't think it was going to do well, but I didn't think it was going to do like crack a million. And the reason for that is just because of like how kelsey was hitting all those different demos as described in previous episode and i think ben milton has a very loyal following but hits a smaller like more narrow wedge Mm -hmm. of the gaming community so i was like yeah i think it'll do like really well but not like a million really well and i think if you had forced me to guess at that time i would have guessed around 500k so yeah, I think uh, I think yeah. it's, it's also just good for Ben because he d- yeah. deserves all that he's that cash guy. money because he's a very good designer. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. a good designer, and he highlights like smaller creators all the time. Is that's what he mm-hmm. spends his time doing on his channel? So good, good. Um, it's really interesting. We
0: uh, I wasn't talking about this with you, and I'll, I'll bring it up just briefly. But um, we were talking the other day, some friends and I, like, what does success mean? And it's so different for different people. And I, I have quite a few. Uh, there's a, a lot of tabletop creators that are trying to get into the YouTube business. And they'll message me and be like, hey, can you give me a shout out? Or, hey, I want to do this. Or, like, I really love your channel and all this other stuff. Um, and it's weird. A lot of people will look at success as, like, your YouTube subscription number or, like, how many Twitter followers you have or something like this. But then um, I've enjoyed Ben's videos, like, f- for as long as I can remember, and he's still not at 100K uh, subscriber-wise. But then he goes and throws something like this together, and it's like, oh, my, I don't think I could generate a $500,000 book. Like, this is amazing, you know? So uh, it's it's really cool. And I think that uh, having the that fan base and loyalty and all that other stuff that he's created has really paid off and uh not to i guess judge a book by its cover because a lot of times people will have turned to me and they're like this guy is kind of monotone or he's uh he doesn't have a hundred thousand subscribers and so they don't watch it and i'm like you should watch it like his videos are really fun and he highlights so many interesting stuff So Yeah, he
1: highlights interesting things. He's very thoughtful in his breakdown of how he looks at books. He just uh yeah, he doesn't have a wacky internet personality. Like you. Like yeah. <laughs> but that's all I he got. He doesn't have for a PH in so, his you know. name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it a... is really interesting how I've we never measure played... success.
0: I've never played Nave, the original. Um I've read it. It's very short, it's like just a two page document, I think. Maybe four. Mm-hmm. Um but I think this will be really good just for the tables alone too. Like, <laughs> kind of, we were talking about the Black Hack uh, and how you're like, this game is really cool, but like, oh my gosh, all of these cool tables to generate dungeons and worlds and monsters and stuff. Mm. Um, and talking with Ben, he a lot of uh, a lot of the book is how to design adventures and tables to help you and stuff. So um, I'm yeah, and excited. the and
1: Shadow Dark is like that too. Now that we have like Shadow Dark in our mm. hands, at least the PDF. Uh, very much follows that same design principle of like here's the rules and the like they're like a section of the book and then a much bigger section of the book is generative tables for creating all sorts of stuff so it's really nice that all these games can be used like system agnostically in that way Uh, which just, like, makes them worth picking up no matter what game you're running. (laughs) Uh, But If you uh... enjoy
0: that kind of thing, like, I have a... One of my favorite books right now is the the Thinganomicon. Like, I got that print-on-demand, and it's just, like, this really thick book of random tables. And I'll be like, oh, cemetery. And then I could just, like, look at stuff, and I'm like, you're right, I do need, like... A bunch of white skeletons and one purple skeleton that's like glowing atomic
1: rays or something.
0: And then all of a sudden you're like, I got my adventure for tonight. Thanks, thanks, book.
1: <laughs> it's great. Wow, purple skeleton. Purple yeah. purple atomic skeleton? I had to get this book. Yeah. This sounds amazing. Woo. Uh Thinganomicon, uh, it's great. Um
0: speaking of uh the black hack, I just wanted to highlight this a little bit too. Um, I'm a big fan of Matt Click. I think it's because I watched his channel way back in the day when I was like, I want to start a YouTube channel. And I was getting into RPGs, and he had a lot of videos um, in the early days of YouTube tabletop RPG spaces. Uh, But he wrote, he took the Black Hack, and him and his studio, Absolute Tabletop, wrote uh, the Mecha Hack, which is like giant mech robots fighting using Black Hat rules. And they're starting a Kickstarter soon, uh, called Aether Nexus, and he's been t- posting this on Twitter. And Aether Nexus is a fantasy mecha tabletop role playing game. So it's l- using the mecha hack rules, but it is uh, y- you're like magically interfaced with your giant ceramic machine as opposed to like big metal war machines. You're yeah, I guess uh, I don't know if you ever watched Escaflowne kind of reminds me of that anime where you have like a magical dragon that you sit in its chest <laughs> and fly around but
1: <laughs> yo visions of Escaflone. yeah i definitely remember watching that in like the 90s with yeah. like the early aughts on like toonami yep and haven't watched it since but i do really want to rewatch that i should like see that can if be, I, can I wonder if that's somewhere. a good
0: i wonder if that's a good launch i don't know yeah. or a good watch i should say Sorry. I
1: I bet it suffers from the same thing that D and D suffered from, or not D and D, DBZ suffered from back in the day, which was that you have all of these filler episodes because it's yes. like we're gonna power up for the whole episode, and I'm like, okay, can we get to the plot, please? Yeah, <laughs> um, or the fighting, like either right. one. Uh, but uh, yeah, I so I was looking at Ether Nexus, Ether Nexus, and. The, I immediately stumbled on it because uh, I haven't read the mecha hack. I've read the black hack. I mean, as you know, because we did that whole video on it. So I was very familiar with that. So I was like, oh, i would be fine going into this. And then it's like these mechanics from the mecha hack are different. They're like this instead of like this. And yeah. I was just like, I don't know what any of those mechanics are. I don't know what the original Sorry.
0: mechanic was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize how different the mecha hack was from the black hack. Because I haven't read it. So I was a little lost at points with this. But that's okay. I, sh- I need to go back and read the Mecha Hack anyway. I just think it's amusing that like this person is making a variant of a variant they already made.
0: Yeah, it is kind of. Well, going back to DCC and Dying Earth, that's what this felt like to me is it's kind of like he did rename a bunch of stuff and certain mechanics work differently but it really felt like here's your weird niche setting using these rules um but the mecha hack itself wasn't like a base system it was just kind of i don't know like it was a hack of a hack and so now he's doing a hack of a hack of a hack so but
1: there's, there's a yeah. big emphasis on lore in internexus yeah. which I appreciate because the lore seems pretty solid. And that's why I say campaign,
0: so, like a campaign setting. It really does feel like they're mm-hmm. trying to be like, and I don't know, maybe that's the future of a lot of OSR stuff. Uh, I don't know. I was, I was listening to, uh, I think it was a podcast you were on the between two Cairns. Like I've, I've been enjoying that podcast a lot. They had somebody on really and they good. were, they were talking about, um, like different mech games, and they're like one of the mech games I want is like you're in giant mechs, but it's not so much fighting, but it's like racing for pink slips, and like you're in some kind of weird, and I was like, you're gonna have somebody create that, but yeah, we should just take this obscure osr system and then apply it on top of mm-hmm. uh that can that setting, I guess in a way, so you can kind of get the game you want
1: well, that is already how. Powered by the Apocalypse has worked for years, right? right yeah. Because like the first Powered by the Apocalypse game was like here is this system in a very specific setting. Mm. And then everyone else was like what if I made my own very specific yeah. setting? <laughs> um I think the only one that's super general is the one that we talked about on or actually no we've talked about two now on on jocular junction one of them was world of dungeons which is super general fantasy but then the other one public access is extremely specific yeah. right so the uh, so that's what they've that that thing and that you're talking about powered by the apocalypse like
0: World yeah. of Dungeons is based on that and public access mm-hmm. and they're so different yeah
1: and yeah uh, but so I think that that mentality of system with like a very specific setting and mode of play baked in we do see that a little in the OSR but yeah going forward I think we're gonna see that more um, especially now that like in the wake of things like. OSE and Shadow Dark and nave because in terms of general systems, I feel like we've just got it covered like we don't we don't really need more I say as someone who's about to release a general system. we don't really <laughs> we don't really need more mine's, mines fifth edition compatible that's what makes it different uh, the uh, but yeah I think especially since a lot of those OSR systems are compatible with other OSR systems. Yeah. When you make a new general OSR system that is compatible, like in terms of hit dice and stuff, with like OSE or other general ones, I'm just kind of like, okay, well, maybe I'll take the inventory system from this other game Mm -hmm. or the casting system or something like that and then import it into OSE or whatever or take a part of OSE and import it into this game, which is fine if like you want to do that legwork, but it does feel like we're... um, we're just kind of iterating, but we've already kind of got a great machine. We don't need to keep fixing it, right? It's because it's not broken.
0: <laughs> yeah. During the the OGL wars, um, someone brought up a good point in one of my discords that uh, they were scared that 5th edition, um, everyone creating a clone of 5th edition... Kind of like uh, Tales of the Valiant and I don't know everybody else that's making their fifth edition clones because we wanted a system that was away from the OGL. Um, you're gonna they were like, we're gonna get a, a space that's a lot like the OSR movement where you have five dozen games that all do the same thing, but slightly different, not not necessarily enough to warrant a whole game. Uh, and then you're gonna get it this this big crowded area and nobody really will know what to play, and it'll be like rah, um, and that was their fear. Uh, and so, I wonder if you get these heavy hitters like Shadow Dark or Old School Essentials and um, Nave Second Edition, if that's gonna be like okay yeah you can hack these, but like does it warrant its own game at this point? And so you'll see more like Aether Nexus where people are gonna generate and create Mm -hmm. like little campaign settings or like the weird and the wild I really love that setting it's like a dark evil forest and you could play it with any three of those systems or even fifth edition so but I also enjoy settings like that more than structured adventures I like just kind of this open sandboxy give me a cool place to play in and then give me a, a couple plot hooks and me and my players will make the story as we go and so
1: yeah yeah i i mean you know me i'm a big settings person i'm always looking for ways to make the perfect setting book which i think i hit on with the 5b campaign that you're you're playing (laughs) but that's for a future project that i haven't figured out yet um the uh but yeah i'm really into that whole thing of just like here maybe you're going to give me some rules or you're going to restate like if if the setting book restated some general osr rules mm-hmm. but it was that was just like the first two pages like if you made a like a thing where it's like here's nave first edition restated and then maybe some specific stuff that makes sense with the setting and then the rest of the book is just setting yeah. i'd be like oh cool now i can just pick that up i don't already have to have nave but i still feel like i've really like you know, I'm getting a, uh, a full new product yeah. because the focus is the setting. So, yeah, I think we see some OSR games like that, but not like a lot yet. But hopefully we will see more in the future. Um, Gozer or Goozer? Uh, Goose? Goose? I don't know. It's You look that up. It's great. <laughs> uh, not the uh, Ghostbusters
0: like uh, evil
1: Right? It's speak, not that.
0: Right? Okay. Uh, um I uh, yeah, we're kind of going we're at time but uh we'll keep talking cuz it's fun. Um and my family's out of the house right now so I can actually keep talking. <laughs> uh there you go. Did you hear about this D&D 24-hour streaming channel being created? Oh
1: my gosh. Does that talk about sound let's talk about Hasbro. <laughs> like
0: the silliest thing in the world. Um I don't like Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro didn't announce this, but it was announced via, like, a Polygon article or some other thing. I forget. Um, But they want to do a streaming channel where they're going to show episodes of the old D&D cartoon and then a couple of, like, generated shows that they're going to make. And then also some, uh, I I assume, like, streaming actual plays or something. But it looks like Heroes Feast is going to be there, which is going to be a D&D cooking show. And I don't know some other weird things. It's probably just a place for them to advertise products to you cuz that's how Hasbro works. Right. Uh But then I was thinking um I don't actually know how some of these streaming channels works. Is this is this something that'll be like like the I go to my smart TV and I can download the D&D 24-hour streaming channel app and then it'll just play randomly. Like, or, uh, I don't know, because I have, like, the PBS channel on my smart TV that streams PBS shows for me and my kid. <laughs>
1: uh, You know, a friend of the show, Ted of Nerd Immersion, <laughs> uh, d- did a really great video on this that summed up all my thoughts on it, which was, like, who asked for this? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> um, Nobody. Nobody asked for this. It feels like it's... Uh, they have like an entertainment media arm and they need to either sell it or use it. So they're choosing to use it. Yeah. Which cool, I guess, because then we get this content that they're talking about and it is free with ads. But uh, the other thing that he brings up, which was kind of what you were touching on, is where is this going to be available? It's going to be a Twitch channel. Cool, but I seriously doubt it. Yeah. Is it going to be its own standalone app? Is that app going to work? Yeah. <laughs> um, are you going to be able to get that app on Roku? Is it going to be a Roku channel so that you can easily watch it on TV? Or are you supposed to watch it on a computer? Are you supposed to watch it on a smartphone? Uh, what is it going to be optimized for? So And uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, software and Programming questions that it's as we know from the Creator Summit, D probably don't have the answers yeah. to, so or well, wants it rather.
0: It makes me think of uh, CISO. Do you remember that streaming oh, service CISO. that popped up? And I think this won't be well, maybe it will be like CISO because they had uh, the McElroy show and they had um, a Dan Harmon tabletop show, Harmon Quest, and Har- a couple Quest. of other random little shows. I think community was eventually going to be on there as well because Dan Harmon was tied to CISO. Um, but it failed and then they just sold those shows off to various other things. And so the McElroy show is now over here and Harmon quest is probably buried forever. Who knows, but it is one of the best actual plays and you should watch it. Um, I, I just don't, like, CISO didn't have content for a 24-hour streaming channel, and I don't think this will have content for a 24-hour streaming channel. And it really makes me wonder, again, do people care that celebrities play D&D? Like, I don't want to watch Deborah Ann Wool and Kevin Smith play Dungeons & Dragons. I don't really have an interest in that, but Hasbro thinks that I do. They want me to know that, like, oh, the people from Stranger Things are playing D anD D. Watch it. I'm like, no, it's way more fun to watch people on Twitch that are like super passionate about it, or find that uh, podcast from word of mouth, you know. And but they're doubling down on that. Like, I think Matthew Lillard, who's a great guy, but he's going to have a show of some kind. And I, I don't know. It just feels like Twitch content that they're going to put into a streaming platform that's going to ultimately fail. But
1: yeah, the um. Matt Lillard's show uh good title faster Pur- purple worm kill kill mm-hmm. uh g- great reference that i'm sure most of the people who are going to watch that show don't get cuz it's like a very old movie reference the um it- and it's all about like high lethality character death mm-hmm. which is super weird because it's a 5e show and that's yeah. <laughs> not what that system is built for but it's uh yeah i mean i don't know how are they are going to populate this with content because they've announced you know the three shows basically and i'm like okay cool that'll take up six hours of your programming day that's not enough you're just going go to go rerun those somebody yeah. in chat said oh are they going to have v- vox machina on it and i'm like no they absolutely won't no. because they'd have to pay critical role a king's ransom to get have that to pay show amazon and
0: a king's ransom to get it on oh there.
1: yeah because amazon owns yeah so and there's so there's no way there's no way they could afford that i mean even if i'm sure they'd want to but i seriously doubt so the um yeah i think that and this is another thing ted brings up listen you should watch nerd (laughs) emergency video on this it's very good it's also you don't need to watch
0: saturday morning Rbg show just go straight to
1: ted he's the one just goes if you need your if you want your news go straight to nerd (laughs) (laughs) no um the uh but he also brings up this this point of like is watsy gonna use it as a carrot for uh actual play creators yes. to be like hey if we like you you could be on our channel and we won't uh, pay but you the...
0: but we'll take your content and put it on yeah. there and you'll get paid you'll get in get fame expo- dollars <laughs> like
1: exposure yeah um but the problem with that as anyone who has checked out D's twitch channel would know is it's not that they do bad numbers on their shows but they don't do numbers that are like that special <laughs> they don't actually have a huge audience draw so i'm just like yeah i don't i don't really see that as being a huge incentive um and like you were saying with the celebrity thing yeah like i don't care about that maybe some people do but i really don't i haven't it, met anybody me.
0: that cares i guess so it's
1: it's the wrong takeaway from critical role that watsi is taking right? i think so yeah because Because those voice actors, people knew who they were, but they were not celebrities, right? Uh, Like, it's fun when Vin Diesel guest stars on Critical Role or whatever. I don't know if he actually has done that. Uh, I feel like probably that's happened. Uh, But yeah, it's fun when that happens because it's a novelty, but I don't want to regularly watch that. I don't want him to be like the core of the group because that's not what I care about Vin Diesel for. I just want there to be another uh what is it pitch black movie that's the only thing i care about (laughs) (laughs) not another fast and furious i need another pitch black movie (laughs) awesome
0: yeah um no i agree i think i think uh they you need to the critical role people got popular because critical role was good it didn't Mm. get popular because they were existing celebrities that started playing D D and i think um a lot of, I think Hasbro doesn't realize that. They're just kind of like, yeah, like, I know marketing star potential. Let's go. And so, I don't know. We'll see.
1: But yeah, the, um, so I don't think it's going to work out, is the bottom line. Yeah, they can, I, don't, I don't either. They try it's, it.
0: it's, a, it's another weird thing where I'm like, but maybe they're just stretching their little d d muscles and they're trying to see, like, you know, throw spaghetti at a this... wall and see what sticks. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really feels like between that and going all in on the VTT, I'm like, you guys are trying to cater to a market that doesn't exist. Yeah. This is not a good idea. Um, the uh, it's There was a really funny thread on Twitter, though, that uh, g- go to Twitter to check out this instead <laughs> of watching this. the um, there was a th- funny thread on Twitter that Seth Skorakowski started uh, which is, who is a youtuber who he does a lot of like Call of Cthulhu and traveler content, which yeah. is fun, but a lot of like adventure reviews and like de- different breakdowns of things. He's a very interesting guy and I guess he's like a novelist too, but I haven't mm-hmm. read his stuff uh, and he did this thread which was talking about this channel and he was like, you know what would be great. If this channel... It wasn't actual plays. It was just all of the crappy B fantasy movies from like the 80s and 90s uh, that suck. That inspired us. But we all us. love watching. Yeah, that yeah. inspired us to do stuff. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, get Hawk the Slayer on there. Get Deathstalker on there. Um, get uh, what some... There were some really good suggestions. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Freaking... Um, the Barbarians, which is great if you haven't seen it. Instead of watching Saturday Morning DC, go watch The Barbarians. Uh, the, um, My but, numbers yeah, the Barbarians. are
0: going down fast. <laughs> yeah, Kroll. Uh, thank you, RPG DC. Yes. I love Some, Kroll. I unironically love that. Kroll. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah. I, oh, I it's don't, good. I, it's not good, but I unironically love that movie and I have watched it so many times.
1: The cinematography and the visuals and like the character and costume design in that movie and like set design props, is actually like top, actual top tier. The actual yes. is so good.
0: Like it's, yeah.
1: yeah, that stuff is all top tier. And then like the plot is kind of trash, but we should that's.
0: Have... We should start another podcast because that's what I have time for. Uh, sure. <laughs> but appendix in for movies. And we'll just talk about those movies that inspired entire like campaigns or RPG systems.
1: Yeah. So um, fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've watched a lot of those. Episode uh, Wizards one. Wizards of Krull. the Lost Kingdom. Yeah. Crawl yeah, for sure. Wizards of the Lost Kingdom is also great. It's like a really bad B movie. Um, The Sword and the Sorcerer. Killer uh really really good like sort of uh sort of a conan spoof yeah oh my gosh there's so many so if the channel was just that you know i'd watch it then, amazing yeah, for sure amazing fantastic uh ator the fighting eagle <laughs> there's so many they're so terrible or all of the other D D movies that came out between the 2000 movie and the most recent one, so all the Sci Fi Channel original D and D movies. Have yes. you ever seen any of those? Yeah, I have. They're they're, <laughs> they're real bad. Real bad. Yeah. <laughs> they're <laughs> no the
0: um and that was that yeah the because the first D D movie the 2001, it's bad um and then they made a sequel that I think went directly to video instead mm. of releasing in theaters and then the the last two if I'm remembering correctly were Sci Fi Channel like made for tv and they're so bad uh but
1: but that's okay because yeah, oh the gosh. new movie
0: came out and it was
1: okay it was pretty good it was it was perfectly I, good it was a good movie. hope that I it does better
0: it. so that it'll get a sequel i guess because i want to see this mcu forgotten realms and have you know orcus battling vecna and like
1: so yeah i worry that that's that we're not getting a sequel anytime soon because like it made money but like not really enough money didn't to make super at. mario
0: brothers money so
1: no uh but yeah i showed it to because it went on streaming uh very quickly which is not a great sign uh but i showed a i showed it to like a film snob friend of mine and he was like oh this was actually really fun and i'm like there you go if i get this guy to say it's really fun then this movie must be pretty fun <laughs> pretty fun i'd watch yeah. it
0: mm-hmm. um I think that's our show because we're a little over, and I should probably go work on my backyard a little bit and clean my house. Um, May twenty third, in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty three, there will be a five re- B release by Dank Dungeons Lex Mandrake. Mm-hmm.
1: You'll follow me on Twitter at Dank Dungeons, and you will I will post about it. Listen, don't <laughs> worry, I'm gonna post about it. It'll be out uh, there's now. actually a. There's a whole thread up there right now that has some rules breakdowns uh, that I'm just going to like keep adding to as we approach the release of the nice. game. So if you want to know more about specific stuff in it, you can actually just check that out.
0: Can I ask the price, or is it not settled yet?
1: Uh, the price is going to be four ninety nine, so it's just under five dollars. And nice. it is, in terms of like page count, I think it's a total of like thirty five pages across three small books.
0: I love it that'll be exciting um we need to play uh we need to get bob world builder back and sarah and play some more that you call classics
1: (laughs) we absolutely do probably some dying earth (laughs) and probably some dying earth i need to ask i should ask bob if he wants to game master like
0: 499 just under 5b
1: exactly right that's good (laughs) Um, that's what you should so, uh, market it as. There you go. Five <laughs> B for $5, everybody. Uh, but yeah. Steal the, that subway um... song.
0: 5B. Five B. Five dollar, five B. Foot long. Foot long. <laughs> yeah, just throw it in there. Wow. Moa Peach as... really, really pushing for the Drow Patreon game that I don't know if I can make it happen, but it would be pretty cool. <laughs> That would be fun. Oh, what is this? I think dry, what I, dry? I think what the, the problem is have... about
1: the Forgotten Realms to run a drow game, Jordan. I don't know if you do. I don't I think know. I can watch
0: a show. We'll see. <laughs> if, uh... There's a
1: great lore channel you can check out <laughs> if you want to. It's called A.J. It.
0: Pickett and Mr. Just uh, yep. Go
1: watch them. That. that was it. Yep.
0: <laughs> um. Actually, my my friend Devin from StartPlaying.Games, he just messaged me this morning. And he's like, I was on Dragon Talk. Have you ever been on Dragon Talk? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, I mentioned your name. I was like, you want to watch lore channels? Go here. And I was like, Th- thanks, bud. So I'm excited for that episode to come out. I haven't listened to the... the greg tito podcast forever but yeah I back in the day they did either. like lore you should know and they put it on youtube and it was a lot of fun but yeah. then um the D beyond side of youtube kind of took over and todd Kenrick, and stuff and they stopped doing those but but i guess the podcast was still going and i just haven't been listening to it so
1: right like it's it was always a pretty solid podcast and they do have interesting guests on it which yeah. i appreciate yeah uh
0: thank you so much lex for coming in and hanging out. I think Lucian will be back next week. Maybe. He's like running around doing all kinds of Lucian-y things. So.
1: Oh, is he RVing? I think so. <laughs> or he's doing uh,
0: his uh, uh, medieval reenactment fights Ooh, that he does. that's fun. Like, he says those yeah. are really too. So. Cool. It's pretty awesome. Um, I will put links down below to many of the things that we've talked about today. Some of them are probably already there. Um, and if you go to Twitter and want to search more information on Matt Clicks, Aether Nexus, uh, he does have a Google Drive link on his Twitter that has the playtest rules, and you can go look at them. And um, that's kind of what we were reading this morning where Lex realized he probably should have read Mecha Hack beforehand, <laughs> but it's all good. But it's a lot of lore. It's a lo- It looks really cool. Um, I have never played in a giant mech game, but I really like giant mechs. Um, and then speaking of TV shows that don't hold up, you were talking about like DBZ, and probably Escaflode doesn't hold up. Uh Gundam Wing is awful. Like I was okay. I, I loved it as a kid and I re-watched it as an adult. And I'm like, guys, it's just straight up bad. Like it's not yeah. a good show.
1: So I will point out that Chad has said that Escaflona holds up very well. So okay. I will trust Chat and I will re-watch it. But I am a hundred percent with you on Gundam Wing. There's so much filler in that yeah. show. It's horrible. <laughs> but if you're really into Gundam. Like, cause yeah, we're our, we have nostalgia for Gundam Wing because yeah. that's like the first Gundam show we watched. Yeah, but if you go back and watch like freaking War in the Pocket or Stardust Memory, like those any of those good. late eighties, early nineties Gundams, they really hold up. Yeah. They're really, really good. So uh, just watch those if you want to watch Gundam.
0: Yeah, yeah, War in the Pocket um, is actually really short. It's only, like, mm-hmm. eight or nine episodes, so you can totally get through that. Um, I started watching, like, uh, Double Zeta and Zeta Gundam as well, because it's all in the same universe, which I thought was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were also filler after filler, because, like, it's all about, can we can we stretch this plot out to 50 episodes rather than 10? <laughs> and you're like, ah. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, 8th MS Team, also really solid, Very the, good. like, mid-90s uh and yeah zeta also suffers from that problem of like it's just old enough that like the animation isn't like particularly good uh so it kind of looks clunky but once yeah like once you get past like 87 88 it's that sweet spot is like 87 to like 95 in the in gundam stuff you get a lot of really good stuff or like 93 you get like a lot of really good stuff then and gundam wing looks good to its credit Yeah, it's just some of my favorite
0: Gundams are the ones in Gundam Wing. Like I just visually and aesthetically, they're awesome. But uh, but oh, that show, I thought it was so great as a kid. and It's just not
1: (laughs) Not, it's not writing's bad, very slow, not not good. It's all political intrigue, which is like, yeah, that's why I want to watch a giant mech. (laughs) Political intrigue. Uh, Thank you so much, Lex,
0: for being on the show. This was a lot of fun, um, and we will be back. uh, I will be back next week, um, hopefully, with another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. Take care, everybody.